heading to Kenya in June. And uh, I'll be going to slightly different places to Stuart and Helen. Uh, I will be meeting up with them a number of times, but uh, I will be going to other places. And one of them is, is a church uh, led by a lady named Alice. Uh, I, I chat with her occasionally on, well, every second day or third day or something, on um, what they call WhatsApp. Most of you know what WhatsApp is? Yeah, just a messaging service. And uh, I've had to do some recorded messages too because one of the things I need to make sure of is that she can understand my English. <laughs> There's no sense having her being an interpreter if she can't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> so, And also along with that, I wanted her to know the basics of what I believe. No sense going over there and start preaching on something and she goes up in arms and says, what are you talking about? <laughs> so uh, I sent... Uh, the beginning of this sermon, I, I just want to read to you what I sent to her as a basic um, of, of what I believe in regard to what the Bible teaches us and says. And of course, there's much to be expanded on in that, but it gives me a starting point with her. And uh, she actually sent back uh, thanking me for what I'd sent her. So I'm going to read that to you. And from that, I will then uh, go through some points uh, within it. Okay, it said, or I said, the law of sin and death came into effect over all mankind when Adam sinned. Jesus satisfied the law of sin and death by dying for mankind, and because he was sinless, he gives us the way of escape, the law of sin and death and eternal separation from God. This way of escape and our reconciliation to God is freely given to all who hear the gospel about Jesus and his death, burial and resurrection, believing it wholeheartedly. Before Jesus came, uh, God gave Israel the law of Moses, usually known as the Ten Commandments. Uh, there are a whole lot of other laws amongst all that or, or that go with that, but uh, basically it's the Ten Commandments. It was in place to restrain people to keep people from plunging deep into sinful activities and being dominated by the demonic and destroyed. Through the law of Moses and various sacrifices, there is a protection and temporary covering given for sin. Truly, they were waiting for Jesus to come. Since Jesus died, those who believe have no need for the law of Moses to keep them or restrain them because we have been given the Holy Spirit to lead us in the way of Jesus. To be fruitful of the Spirit, the character of Christ. The Spirit also helps us to be spiritually alert and we have the authority to deal with the demonic through the name of Jesus and because of the cross and his blood. The Holy Spirit is actively moving us to apply the truth of God's word in every area of our lives. And that's the, uh, probably the main point of, of the message is that last part, that uh, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is at work on each and every one of us to lead us, guide us and teach us in all truth, as Jesus said that he would. And uh, some people turn away from that. Some people have a lot of trouble with that uh, because it involves uh, yielding, it's not just change, but it involves yielding. Yielding to the Holy Spirit. Yielding to someone other than yourself, your own selfish opinions, your own ideas, 
your own thoughts on things and your own emotions even. And so that's the, the great challenge that we as Christians have in regard to believing in Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is with us to lead, guide and teach us and uh, to yield our own selves. But let me start off with the first point, which I, I, I think a lot of people seem to have it, it either confused or wrong. Preferably, I haven't got it confused or wrong. <laughs> so, and that's the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is upon everyone born in a body of flesh. We did not create the situation, and so we cannot fix the situation. We weren't Adam. He was the one that started the whole ball rolling. Uh, God is the only one who can get us out. He's the only one that can fix what was created through the sin of Adam. And he gives us the opening through, the, through his seed. And the seed is spoken of right back in Genesis when God spoke uh, about uh, bruising uh, the head of uh, Satan and uh, Satan would bruise the heel of Jesus. Uh, that's what it was referring to. Uh, Jesus is that seed. Um, and it's also mentioned in Galatians about Jesus being the seed. It's a capital S. It's not just referring to any and every seed. It's very specific to him. And he was born of a woman, born under the law. And that is under the law of sin and death. It's not under the law of Moses, uh, as I think many people get confused. He was born under the law of sin and death. He came in a human body. Without sin, of course. He had to be born under the law so he could redeem us from that law. It held us all in bondage to death, even the fear of death, and separation from God. Jesus kept the law of Moses, but he came to deliver us from the law of sin and death. So there's a big difference between the law of Moses and the law of sin and death. We don't need the law of Moses to restrain us from sin, for we are not under the penalty of death. That is, uh, we're not under the penalty of remaining separated from God. But rather we are under the spirit of life. And the spirit of God leads us in this new life. Knowing God as Father. He's no longer just God to us. He is our Father. Galatians 4, uh, verses 4 through 7 says this. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And so that's not talking about under the law of Moses. The Gentiles, in fact, were never under the law of Moses. It was given to the Israelites and anyone who joined them uh, as part of uh, their group but it was the law of sin and death we were all under that and because you are sons God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying out Abba Father therefore you are no longer a slave that is no longer a slave to sin and death but a son and if a son then an heir of God through Christ marvellous words in Ephesians 2.8 it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. 
as I said, we could not fix that problem of the law of sin and death. God was the only one that could do something about it. And he did it through the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, through Jesus, settled the account of the law of sin and death. And now through faith in these truths, we are justified before God and sanctified by being in Jesus. And so being dead to sin and alive in Christ, we are justified and sanctified. In Romans 6 verses 10 to 11, it says, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, and uh, that doesn't just mean our own personal sin, but also the, the sense of we are born in sin. We don't, we're not, yeah, how do I put that? Um, we're not sinners because we sin. We are sinners because we are born that way. And as I said, we had no say in that. But we do have a say in whether we get born again or not. All we need to do is hear the good news. And respond. So when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, uh, through repentance and faith, we are able to reckon ourselves dead to sin. And uh, the verse goes on and speaks of even more than that. It says, and the Spirit also makes you alive by being in Christ. It is the new birth. It's, it's the regeneration you are made alive by the word of God and faith in it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's a scripture that says, I can't remember the reference, but it says you can't declare Jesus as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Many people can open their mouth and say it, but the heart one is through the Holy Spirit. You're a new creation. You're justified through death. That is, the death of Jesus and your reckoning yourself dead with him. No longer guilty of sin. That is, before God, as I think I mentioned before, the world may still consider us to be uh, what we were before, but God knows different. He looks at us as, as those who are now justified before him. Because sin's penalty has been paid through the cross, and now also you are sanctified through being alive in Christ. That is, you're set apart unto God as a child of his. And in John 17, 19, Jesus said, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. And Jesus said just prior to that, Your word, O God, is truth. And of course, here we are. Jesus is known as the word of God. He was here in human form, and yet he is Truly the word of God uh, in that sense. And so we are sanctified uh, through not only what he did, but uh, we are sanctified through faith in him and we become uh, one with him. The Holy Spirit is given to us so as to lead, guide and teach us in this new life that we've been born into through faith in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. I like to think of it this way, and it's not actually scriptural, but 
Uh, I like to think of it as being born again. It's like God said for the very first time, you know, how he created Adam. He just spoke and Adam came into existence. That's what I see it as being like now when we're born again. It's like the past never existed. It's like God has just simply said, now you're created. You're mine. You're a child of God. Now grow up in that. Learn that and understand that. Sanctification is not something you gradually gain. You are either fully a child of God or you're not. When you're born again, you are set apart as his child. Sanctification is something we are to learn to walk in because we have never been a child of God before. How do you, you know, when you're first born as a child on earth, you've got to grow, don't you? You've got to learn. There's a whole stack to learn, even to walk. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to walk in the Spirit. Well, if you've never been a person of the Spirit before, it's going to be something you have to learn. Uh, so we've got to allow that in ourselves, and particularly when we see new Christians, uh, to uh, give them that time to learn and to grow and to understand. It's the Holy Spirit's task to help us in this. That is what he is here to do. Just as we are in Christ, so too is Christ in us. Uh, there's passages that relate to that, and it's a dual thing. In Christ, we're able to stand before the devil, and that's when we are able to use the name of Jesus. Uh, we're standing as his representative, we're standing in Jesus and dealing with the demonic. But as far as Jesus being in us, that's where the character comes from. That character that's birthed in us and the Holy Spirit is working on us to bring forth that character of Christ. To be loving, to be kind, to be gentle, to be all those things that we were never really before. Uh, we may have had some you know, idea of it and some degree of it, but it was never according to the power and the life of the Spirit. And so that's what's happening in us. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. His character is what sanctification is all about. We become the express image of him. In other words, we express his image. We represent his character through being fruitful of him, fruitful of the Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing in all who declare Jesus as Lord and have God's Spirit. And of course there's a scripture that says if you don't have the Spirit of God then you're not his at all. Uh, I like to uh, think on, well how do I know if I actually have the Spirit? And uh, the one that I think on is the one in Galatians where it says, and the flesh is uh, lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. There's a battle going on. And if you haven't got that battle going on, then maybe you haven't got the spirit at all because there should be a battle going on in your life. You know, the flesh wants to do one thing or wants you to think one way and speak one way, yet the spirit is there with you and in you, moving you to speak differently, to act differently, to do differently. And so you have this battle, it says, and you're never without that battle. Terrible thing, isn't it? <laughs> but it's one way of knowing that you have the Spirit of God with you. 
and in you. And so you can real, truly know that you are born again and that the Spirit of the Lord is active in your life, active in you. Justification is about dying to the old Adamic life. And we're able to do that because of what Jesus did. He satisfied the law of sin and death. So we are able to die to this fleshly life that we were born into, even though we physically don't die. It's a reckon yourself dead. And also, you're no longer a child of the devil. It's horrible to think of that we were once children of the devil. I, I know nobody likes thinking like that. But that's the truth. If we never knew Jesus, if we never had Jesus, then we belonged to the devil. We didn't belong to God in that sense. And we needed to be born again to be able to uh, not only know God as Father, but to have that hope of being with him for all eternity. So we're no longer children of the devil. The devil actually has no say in the matter, absolutely none at all. When you have faith in what Jesus has accomplished, he'll certainly try to uh, dissuade you, but he has no say in it. Colossians 1.13 says, uh, and this is, God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. He's conveyed us into this kingdom the kingdom of light, the kingdom of love. No longer are we part of the kingdom of darkness. Sanctification is about living as a child of God. This is something we all have to learn to do. Sanctification, or, or in simplicity, the words set apart, is often spoken of as being a process. Uh, I... I might get some criticism on this, but I actually don't quite agree with that. There is a process that goes on, but it's a process of learning and it's a process of purifying, but it's not necessarily a process of sanctification in the sense of what the word means. Sanctification means you are set apart as a child of God. You're not set apart one minute and then swapped over to something else the next minute just because you either get something wrong or, or sin or whatever it might be. You don't lose that sanctification. Uh, it's, it's one of those strange things that many people have a bit of a battle with as to how to understand it. Um, you can disagree with me, that's fine. But I find it much easier to understand all of the things of God uh, this way, in the sense that I am sanctified, so are you. Uh, and we are called to live as a child of God. And you and I know that sometimes we don't quite make the grade. Yeah. But that doesn't lose our sanctified state. Yeah. Uh, it just shows that we aren't quite fully walking the way God would have us to walk. And that's where uh, humility comes in and saying, sorry. Because you want to be like Christ. That's what that last song was all about. Finish what you started in me. Uh, we want to be like him because he is all of that which is written of as far as the spirit's concerned, the love, the peace, the joy, the gentleness, the kindness. That's what life is. And it's a very glorious life, to say the least. I was going to use an example of, of a pen. You know, In old English, they used to say... Uh, it was sanctified, it was made, it was sanctified as a pen. That's what it's for, it's to write with. But I can use that pen for something that it wasn't sanctified for. 
I can come over to you and I can start jabbing you in the arm with it. Uh, that's not what it's sanctified to do. That's not what it's set apart to do. It's got a purpose and it should be used for that purpose. And so in that same sense, take it you know, a little easy, uh, in that same sense, we are sanctified as a child of God. We are given a purpose. We have a purpose and, and a way of life, a way of doing things that shows our sanctification, our, our sanctified state. Uh, and so if we're doing something that's contrary to that, then we're not operating the way that we've been created to operate as. And so we need to be aware of that and to get that worked through, worked on even, allow the Holy Spirit to move us and to change us into that image of Christ. There is things written in the scriptures that um, the word used is admonition. We are admonished in regard to certain things and this particular um, one comes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 where we are admonished in regard to certain things to not be like they were in the Old Testament, where they were doing things that were not good for them. And that's what the warnings is all about. These are things that are not good for you to be walking in. And there's a list of about four or five. Idolatry is one of them, sexual immorality is another. Um, and uh, grumbling and complaining is another. And so we are warned about these things. We live in a body of sin, that is, that it's been stained by sin. And as you know, this body can't go into heaven because of that. It, it's a fallen body, it's a stained body, it's a sinned body. Uh, and we get a new body to, to live with God for all eternity. And that's great. But while we're here, we're still in this body of sin. We live in a fallen world full of corruption and under the sway of the evil one, it says in Scripture. We are called out of this, and as a result, the world will hate us. The devil hates you. The devil is still at work to destroy any faith you may have. Through having you bound in some sort of sin, he's trying to uh, make you think that you're no longer able to be saved. You're no longer a child of God. Uh, he can do that through various torments, through trauma, through tragedy, through fear, through lies, through deceptions of every kind. Trying to weaken your faith or to have you renounce your faith in some way. You've heard of many who are martyred, I'm sure, and the thing that they uh, are requested, you know, we won't kill you if you renounce Jesus. And, of course, the ones you hear of don't renounce him, and many times they do get killed. Um, that's the work of the devil, to try and get you to turn away from faith in Jesus. And that foundational faith has to be in what he accomplished in satisfying the law of sin and death. Everything else comes from that. He satisfied that law of sin and death, and death no longer has power over you. That separation from God 
because of your faith in what Jesus has done. As you, long as you hold to that, as long as you declare that, that is the standing that you have with God. The devil is happy for us to remain under the ways of the world and the passions and the desires of the flesh, holding to our own carnal thinking as to how to live uh, our lives, how to best live it out. And we are warned in scriptures to not continue in certain things. The reason being that it gives Satan a foothold in our lives, an opportunity to harm us in some way. God does not want us harmed. And as he says, love does no harm to anybody. And God is love. And so he warns us, he admonishes us of things to be avoided. I know a lady, uh, I'll call her Jan, it's not actually her name, but you, you probably don't know her. She doesn't come from Maryborough, she's not known in this area. Um, but I've known her for a number of years now. I did some painting for her many years ago, and that's how I came to first know her. And even back then, the, the things she would say, she was a grumbling and complaining woman. She, she wasn't deliberately doing it, it was just something that I think was of a past, it's the way she was brought up, she just saw the negatives of things and people and uh, came under this. And I believe that really the devil has taken hold of that as a, an opportunity to bring her to destruction. Uh, there's scriptures that say, and don't grumble as some of them did, that's those in the Old Testament, you know, when they came out of Egypt, they grumbled and wanted to go back into Egypt so as they had the food and all that sort of thing. And so it says in Scripture, don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. And in James it says, don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. And so there's these warnings. And so in this case, the, the lady is is actually close to a mental breakdown. I saw her just a week ago, and she is troubled, very troubled mentally. She is troubled by thoughts of conspiracy. She actually mentioned that to me, and uh, that what can go wrong will go wrong. Everything and everyone seems to be against her, and that's where she gets deeper and deeper into the uh, grumbling, complaining, moaning, groaning, and that sort of thing. Uh, she's not, in a sense, aware of what she's doing and she's certainly not aware or alert spiritually to what that is causing in her life. And we are called by the Holy Spirit to be alert to the things of the Spirit, to be alert in a way that we were never alert before, to understand life from a totally different perspective. And it's the Spirit that we need to help us in that. So all of these things are conspiracy thinking, the thinking that everything's against you and everyone's against you. This is not what we are given in Jesus. We have an understanding of life that is greater than the evils of this world. Through Jesus, we are able to fight back and be overcomers. No conspiracy can stand against us when we are in Christ and actually actively in Christ. There's verses in the book of Isaiah 
in verse 8, sorry, in chapter 8, verses 11 to 14. I want to read it from the New Living Translation because it just makes it the English so very easy to, to grasp and to understand what is being said. And it says it this way. It says, The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. And don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. I like to summarise that and say, if you fear the Lord, you need fear nothing and no one else. Nothing. But you must fear the Lord. You must have a divine reverence of God. He is not just some daddy in heaven. He's not that big man upstairs. He is your father. And he is holy. And he is righteous. And he is true. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And this wisdom is given to us in Jesus. Remembering that Jesus is more than a human person or a body, a person as such. He is the word of God. And we have the word in written form as well. So what is the wisdom of God in this lady's situation? And I believe it's the same for each and every one of us, at least in the... Uh, this beginning where we start from and it's written in 1 John 1 9 I'm sure most of us know it it says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we are cleansed from all unrighteousness the devil has no right to touch us all those accusing words that he throws at you you can throw them back they don't belong to you And so in regard to this particular issue for this woman, she needs to come to the realisation of what she's been doing is actually an act of sin. Grumbling and complaining, moaning and groaning, it's opening an opportunity for the devil to burden her, to trouble her. But as soon as she realises what she's doing and able to confess that, then she is brought into a place of being clean again. Now I know that that takes a bit of working through because it's not just one prayer and it's all fixed you've got to re-line your thinking and it says you know be transformed by the renewing of your mind and so there's a process of of this getting your mind in order according to what Jesus says or what the word says that we no longer under fear and that the devil would throw at us uh, but uh, under the fear of God in the sense of in that So when she would do this, and this applies to all of us, this prayer enables us to be delivered and to become focused on the leading of the Holy Spirit, being reminded of everything that Jesus says, not what the devil says, being transformed, as I said, by the renewing of your mind. So let me conclude by using what is a modern term. You know, you've heard the default. There's a default for your computer. There's a default for your printer. Um, you, know, you set a certain printer as your default printer. You might have three or four printers you can use. One of them is your default one. The, the computer will automatically go to link up with that, computer, uh, with that printer. And so 
the dictionary says of default, a pre-selected option adopted by a computer program or other mechanism when no alternative is specified by the user or programmer. We used to have a default program in us. It was called SIN. We don't have to have that default anymore. We can have the default, and we do have the default, of the Holy Spirit and righteousness. Now, I know that sometimes we default to the wrong one. But the Holy Spirit is there to encourage us, to bring us back through that uh, confession of sin and knowing that Jesus, is, that his blood is there to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We can then get out of that wrong default and onto the correct default, to listen to the Holy Spirit, uh, to cease from that sin, and, and certainly to cry out to God for help in regard to that. Uh, and particularly uh, it references in the book of Galatians that we have put to death the passions and the desires of the flesh. Well, I know we all have various passions and desires that we may or may not struggle with. And God is dealing with each and every one of us to put them to death. And that's what we're called to do. We might think they're nice, but unfortunately they come with some demonic add-ons. And they're the things that we have to recognise. And when you do recognise it, realise that you have that open door through prayer, through confession, and the cleansing of Jesus, that you may walk truly upright with him according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So we do not have to default to sin anymore. Through Jesus, our default is the Holy Spirit and he leads us in righteousness, not sin. We make the mistake of preaching, and I know I've done it, about our weaknesses in the flesh when we are really meant to preach about our strength in Christ. You are an overcomer, not a slave under sin, but a warrior in Christ. No longer a victim, but a child of substance and power and spiritual blessing. But you must choose to walk in the spirit to see the fullness of this in your life. If you continue in the ways of the flesh, you will walk in weakness and the devil is able to devour that which is of the flesh. That's written for us right back in Genesis, where the devil was able to eat on flesh, so to speak. Let me conclude with two scriptures. Romans 6, 17 to 18. And it says, But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart. <clears throat> Gets to you eventually, doesn't it? The love of God. You obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. And the other scripture is 1 Peter 2 Verses 16 to 17. This is the New Living Translation. Uh, if I haven't mentioned it, the others are the New King James. 
1 Peter 2.16-17 to 17 says, Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect for everyone, or to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honour the king. Which can also relate to honour the government <laughs> or the leader of the nation. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can teach us truth. The Spirit is truth. The Word is truth. God is truth. Set your heart and your thinking to the Holy Spirit. Make Him your default. Listen to the Holy Spirit and live. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for everything you've given us in your word so that we can understand what's going on, what life is all about and how we can now live it as overcomers because of faith in Jesus and everything he has done, everything he's doing and everything he's still yet to do in regard to his return. We praise you and thank you that we've been able to hear and for any of us today, Lord, I pray that the hearts be opened even more, to hear even more, to understand even more by the grace that you've given us, by the power of your Holy Spirit upon us and in us. Lord, lift up your word within us, I pray. Help us to grasp the greater truths of life and to be truly overcomers, that we may help and bless others to overcome also. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me just turn this off and deal with it.